I speak to you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Questions, questions. Einstein admonishes us to never stop asking them. Dr. Seuss reminds us the question is sometimes more complicated than the answer. And the Chinese lament in a proverb that he who asks questions remains a fool for five minutes, but he who does not ask remains a fool for a lifetime. Some even say that questions are first step towards change. So what is it about questions that intimidate us so much? What does it take bravery to ask questions? Growing up, were you encouraged to question? Or did you grow up like I did in a society where questions were censored? During my childhood in apartheid South Africa, those who asked questions were labeled as terrorists and insurrectionists. Questioners were often ostracized or sidelined with tactics as extreme as violence, or by subtler or less lethal, not less lethal means such as labeling and name calling. For example, troublemaker, ungovernable, black danger, in the other language, they say it, swart refar. In religious context, you hear words like heathens, pagans, or clean roi refar, which means little red danger, or you little small communist. Sound familiar. These kinds of labels have been used throughout time to restrict human beings. They generate fear and shame. Fear and shame. They are as effective for political system as they are for interpersonal relations. Shaming culture becomes a prison when one begins to internalize it and identify as a problem. It is more than a feeling. It is a way of being. It is a lingering cloud of darkness, an invisible prison. And sometimes we become comfortable in it. John the Baptist was caught in this prison too, literally and also figuratively. The passage 
states that while in prison, John had the amazing deeds of Christ, including healing the blind, the lame, the lepers, the deaf, the dead, and the poor. His cousin has been doing some miraculous work and everyone was talking about it. However, now in chains, John the baptizer begins to ask questions, sending his friends to inquire more of Jesus on his behalf. Are you the one who is to come? Or should we expect someone else? John's inquiry was simple. Are you the Messiah? It is not clear from this question what John's imagination of the Messiah was. But it could be inferred. Are you going to free those who are incarcerated too? Are you going to liberate those who are wrongly accused? Interestingly, Jesus' response did not mention that he came to proclaim the liberty to the captives or the opening of the prison to those who were bound. This was an expectation from Isaiah and the psalmist and John was expecting it to be realized in his lifetime. John has put his neck out for Jesus, yet now he found himself disillusioned, disappointed, and doubtful about his own vocation. He wonders, was I duped into thinking that Jesus is the one did I believe every word of my preaching? Did I challenge everyone to change their allegiances to the reign of God? Now locked in prison, was John feeling embarrassed? Hmm, did that embarrassment turn into shame? Were the prison guards and fellow prisoners message that, how dare you? Oh, shame on you. Sinking in into John's psyche. Prison in the Near East was meant to strip one's identity and sentencing was often indefinite. Prisoners relied on visitors for news, food, and even clothing. The Roman Empire did not build an industrial prison complex. Prisoners were stripped naked, tortured, washed over in small, overcrowded homes. When John's disciples were willing to come to him, they risked being associated with him, even though they could be next. The prison conditions that were meant to dehumanize demoralize him were taking shape in his outlook of himself. It seems John at this juncture 
might be feeling bad or regretful about his work in the wilderness. John had been enthusiastically and passionate about the new order and made rulers uneasy. His provocative message landed him in prison. He confidently proclaimed, the axe is already laid at the root of the tree, declared God's reign to be imminent and changing the order of things and that God's viceroy, the Messiah from the house of David, will reign in Herod Antipas' chair. But now the empire's tool of incarceration was used to quench his enthusiasm and passion. John found himself in a new wilderness, like the one St. John of the Cross called the dark night of the soul. However, there is good news. He does not have to stay in the message of the society that imprisoned him. His doubt, his questions become the invitation to hear Jesus' truth. Jesus declares a, dif a different identity about John, just opposed in the passage, as if as, if as a response to John's doubt. Responding to John's question brought by his friends, Jesus preaches. What, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If any, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in robe, fine robes and clothes? No! Those who wear fine clothes are in king palaces. Then what did you go to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, more than a prophet. This is the one whom it is written. John, the baptizer, was invited by Jesus to see and hear what God was doing among the blind, the lame, the lepers, the deaf, and the poor. He was invited to be part of rejoicing community, not to take these miraculous signs as offense. He is someone to be part of the blessed community who are willing to be scandalized by the deeds of Christ. Jesus is imploring John to live up to his own identity, admonishing him that he must not allow public shaming to take root in his life. John is not a reed blown back and forth by political wings and religious whims. He's a messenger and a follower of the Messiah. Jesus reminds John of his true identity. This, my friend, is the weapon against shame. Knowing the truth of one to whom you belong, that which God declares over you, and walking 
unashamedly in the deeds of Christ. John's question, confession to the kings of kings, becomes the impetus for him to be reaffirmed and emboldened again in his life of obedience, even in doubt and suffering. Dedrick Bonhoeffer, who knew well what it meant to be in prison, boldly asked his question in a poem or in a psalm about his identity during a trying time. Who am I, Lord? Am I cheerful, a heroic suffering servant that others see me as? Or am I really the uncertain, weary, empty, desperate person that is trembling on the inside? As his mind and soul play tug of war, he concludes, Who am I, this or the other? Am I one person today and tomorrow another? Am I both at once? Who am I? They mock me, these lonely questions of mine. Whoever I am, thou knowest, O God, I am thine. What, what is your question in this season? Are you willing to bring that question to Jesus? Who is here to help you in asking those questions. John the baptizer had his friends who brought his questions to Jesus. At Chapel of the Cross, are we willing to entertain questions and embrace those who are doubting, disillusioned, disappointed, and covered in shame? Whatever your question is, Jesus say, your questions are welcome here. Bring your questions. Your employment question, your addiction question, your health crisis question, your political questions, your family questions, your marriage questions, your questions about your faith. Bring all your questions without shame to the one who welcomes you, to the one who welcomes you, the one who creates you and delights over you, the one to whom you belong. In solidarity with Bonhoeffer declared, whoever I am, thou knowest, O God, I am thine. Amen. The Chapel of the Cross is an Episcopal church in the heart of Chapel Hill and the university community. Find out more at thechapelofthecross.org. There you can find our latest news and events, connect with our pastoral care team, Faith in Action Ministries, and offer a prayer request. You can also find us on social media, on Instagram at thechapelofthecross, and on Facebook and Twitter C-O-T-C, Chapel Hill. May you be nourished by the word to serve in the world.